Hey, good morning, everyone. We are taking a deep dive into the book of Proverbs this summer and going into the early fall. How many would say, Pastor, I definitely could use a little wisdom in my life? Amen. We all need wisdom. How many you just you use lack of wisdom sometimes in certain situations or with a lack of wisdom, we look back over our lives and we're like, man, I there's some regrets I definitely have that I could definitely have handled things differently in our lives. Sometimes the hardest people to manage are not other people, but it's yourself. And so many times, maybe you're a manager, maybe you manage people, and sometimes you feel like it's it's managing a herd of cats, right? You're just like, man, I can't get people to do what I want them to do or whatever, if you're in that type of position. But the hardest person to manage is going to be yourself. And the Word of God specifically speaks to how do we deal with our difficult heart issues. And what we're going to look at today in the book of Proverbs, we're going to look at the idea of integrity. Why does God care so much about your integrity? We're going to understand what integrity means, how do we live in integrity, and how do we make right choices in our lives so that we don't look back later with all these regrets that we have. And the Word of God specifically speaks to that. What we've understood about the book of Proverbs is Proverbs basically is just a short saying that expresses truth for practical, godly living. In fact, the Hebrew word for Proverbs comes from the root word meaning to be like. God wants us to be like this. So the book of Proverbs is sayings of the wise and how to live out wisdom practically in our lives. It's such a practical book. I mean, I think it would be important in your daily reading, whatever you're reading through, is read something and then just read a couple Proverbs in in your reading. It will help you so much in your walk with the Lord. So what does it mean to walk in integrity? Well, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about integrity. Let's look at a couple of these that that the book of Proverbs talks about. Proverbs 10.9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Proverbs 28.6 says, Better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse. So what we see this common thread is that we're reading here in Proverbs is that if you compare these verses, what it's saying is someone who walks in integrity is secure and whose walk will be blameless. Um, I love what Mark Twain says. Mark Twain says, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Right? If you tell the truth, you just don't have to remember anything. So what is integrity and why is integrity so important to God? Very simply, what it means is it means to do the right thing. It means to do the right thing. Now, let's be careful. The lack of integrity can appear well-guided in, in right ways, yet lack substance. So to one person, they may feel like, well, I'm walking in integrity. And then to somebody else, they say, well, I think your ways are crooked. What does it truly mean to walk in integrity? And so what it basically means is it's pretending, it's not pretending to be something that you're not. 
There's something wrong. When we lack integrity, there's something wrong with our core person. And God cares about what's going on in your heart. So what are, what are examples of integrity? We're going to get into the true meaning of the word integrity, but let me just give you right off the bat, let me just give you some, some just easy examples of what it means to walk in integrity. Basically, to walk in integrity means giving money back to a store that undercharged you. That's an example of integrity. It's, it's doing your taxes correctly. As one accountant said, give the government what is owed and not a penny more. Right? But it's, it's doing the right thing. There's an interesting study in, in engineering. It's called structural integrity. And what it is, is it's the study of safe design and assessment of components and structures under load, under stress. What are you like when you're under stress? When you're under stress, it will reveal your structural integrity. It will reveal when you're, when you're faced with, in a compromising situation or faced with temptation, what that will reveal and the choice that you make, it will reveal your structural integrity. What is really going on under the surface? Now, how many of you know we can fool people on the outside? We can give an aura to people that makes us look good, but on the inside, there may be some stress fractures in our integrity that will eventually come out. And so this, this structural integrity, this study of safe de- de- uh, design and assessment of components and structures under load is very interesting. This study has become increasingly important in engineering design. So when you drive over a bridge, you're hoping that that bridge has structural integrity. When was the last time you drove over a bridge and said, boy, I hope this bridge doesn't fall down? Right? You're, you're hoping that the design of the bridge has structural integrity and you're not going to go into the Arundaquite Bay Bridge. Right? You're, you're hoping this, this bridge is going to hold. Now, have you ever driven under a bridge? And notice the structural integrity of that bridge. Kathleen and I notice it every time we drive under, if we're going into Pittsburgh or to Trader Joe's. We under, we, you drive under 490s, you make the turn, and you look under the bridge of 490, there's nothing underneath there. All the concrete is coming down. You can see the rebar, but I think they're starting to work on it now. And every time we drive under it, it's like, is this bridge going to hold? It's very rusty. It's the concrete is falling apart. And it, does anybody know this? Do we need to make a call to DOT? Does, does anybody know the structural integrity? Now, when you're driving over it, guess what? You don't notice it, do you? Until you drive underneath and you see what's really going under. God cares about what's going underneath in your life. More than what we see on the outside and maybe what we portray to people on the outside. You don't want an engineer saying, I hope this bridge will hold after it's built, right? Do I have any volunteers to be the first person to drive over this bridge? I hope it holds. I hope we made the, the right designs for it. No, you don't, you don't want to hear that. Um, some years ago, I was watching a show, and it was called The World's 20 Most Dangerous Bridges. It was interesting. And on the show, I was watching it, and they said, coming in, and it was going to a commercial. But before it went to the commercial, it says, coming in at number eight in the town of Capos, Costa Rica. And my head just snapped. I've been there. I've driven over that bridge. 
And it was the same bridge that we drew that we drove over on one of our missions trips. And it was number eight on the world's most 20th dangerous bridges. And if you were on that trip with us that year, you remember we had this huge bus and it was basically these wood planks that you went over and you were just, I never saw so many people turn their hearts to God in that one moment. <laughs> they were just serving Jesus. They were singing worship songs. I mean, it was, it was a revival moment for our, for our group. They've since made a better bridge. We were there after and I'm like, do we have to drive over this bridge? And the missionary uh, said, no, 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 they, they, they've since fixed this, uh, this bridge. So when, when a bridge or a building fails, it's a result of insufficient structural integrity. And I want you to remember this. I want you to just remember this. Your integrity is not just for you, but those around you. The way you deal with your life and the choices you make are not just for you, but those around you. Your integrity affects those around you. And so we all battle with integrity at times, making the right choice, doing a hard heart check in our lives. Am I making the right decision? But remember, it's not just the decision you're making, but it's the example that you're setting for people around you. So we expect the integrity of others, and when we don't see it, we get upset. Think about it this way. You know, it's important that we have integrity in our lives, but when we don't see integrity in other people's lives, it gets, us, it gets us upset. Let's say you're overcharged for something. We want to make sure that that is made right. We're all over that, aren't we? If, we're, if, we're, if we look at our bill, you know, you're studying your bill at the restaurant, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They overcharged me. They added something. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Come you, you know, you overcharged me a dollar here. Did you see that? Can you make that right right now? All right. Can you make that right, 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 right now? We want it to be made right away and when we don't see someone if there's integrity or there's a mistake we want that thing done right away now here's where we can can become hypocritical what happens when we're undercharged what happens what happens when something goes wrong against that we want to make it right as possible so or or or, or do we justify it when we're undercharged do we justify you know do we say well this is a huge company and uh, this is a blessing from the lord this is just a blessing from the Lord. I actually heard someone say that. I'm like, what are you thinking? It's not a blessing from the Lord. Give it back. <laughs> See, here's, here's, here's the bottom line. Here's the issue. Do we strive to look good or be good? Do we strive to necessarily look good on the outside or, or, or are we striving to be good? To walk in integrity means I'm looking at my heart and my motives. So what do I mean by that? In order for, for people to be impressed with us, we can tend to fudge reality. In order for people to be impressed with us, we can tend to fudge reality and not give them a true picture of what's really going on under the hood or really what's going on in my heart. I read a story of a young mom with three children and she was trying to make the perfect Christmas card. She was trying to make the perfect Christmas card so she could send it out to all her friends. And, it, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And she just thought, oh, I'm going to take this great picture. And it was a complete train wreck. She said one of her little boys ran and fell and scraped the whole side of his face. And the kids weren't getting along. They were terrible. They weren't listening. So the one child scraped their head. She said it was a disaster. And, you know, we, we've all been there. So she's trying to get this picture. And we've all been there. We, we, you know, with those of you with young kids, remember getting in the wrong grocery line with all the candy and then your kid has a meltdown and you're, you're okay, quiet down. And under your breath, you're going, I'll give you anything you want. Anything you want. 
I'll buy the whole store for you if you just if you just don't cry because it's so embarrassing. And we've all been there. And then you get the looks of other people, right? They're like, gee, you don't know how to handle your kid, right? And I remember that with my son Colby. <laughs> she had to go on a she had to go on a field trip to the to the zoo, and Colby wanted some stuffed animal in the thing. And Kathleen said, "No, no, whatever." I can't remember if I'm getting the story right, but I remember he had a total meltdown. I remember one of the parents, Kathleen's like, "They must think I'm a terrible parent, right?" And your kids have these meltdowns. My son is now piloting a navy ship in the uh, Mediterranean right now, so I, you know, pray for him. But there's hope. There is hope. So. But listen, we've all been there, and I felt bad for this poor mom who was open and shared, you know, this story about this about this Christmas card, and you would never know from. And this this is the thing that she was honest about. She goes, when you looked at the Christmas card, you would have never known what happened behind the scenes, what a train wreck it really was. She said to cover. She said, I was kissing my husband on the cheek sideways in order to not see my tears. And then she goes, and then our one child turned the other way so you wouldn't see the huge mark on his forehead. But everybody else that saw the Christmas card didn't think anything was wrong. And I appreciate her honesty and sharing her story. We, all of us struggle at being real at times. You see, at, at the, the bottom line of integrity is, are we real? Are we real with ourselves? Are we real with our heart? Are we real with our motives? Do we check ourselves? Do we check ourselves of why we're doing what we're doing? And the thing that Jesus cares more about than anything else, he cares about your character. He cares about your holiness. He cares about what's going on in your heart. Not how good we look on the outside or how well we can present ourselves to other people. And that's such a trap that every single one of us fall into, isn't it? We want to put this perception that everything is fine and everything is good. But that's not true all the time. And a person that walks in integrity, walks in humility and says, you know what, my life isn't great right now. I've got struggles and I need prayer. That doesn't mean you've got to divulge all, your, all, all the things that are going on in your life. But I, I, it is so refreshing to me when I hear someone say to me, I say, hey, how are you doing? They say, you know what, I'm not doing real great right now. I would appreciate your prayers. Thank you for being honest with me. I appreciate that. See, someone that walks in integrity is, is open, is, is, is vulnerable. Now, here is the other end of the, the spectrum. When Jesus dealt with the religious elite of his time, he exposed the integrity issues of their heart. And so what Jesus does, and I want, I, want, I want to read this passage of how Jesus exposes the religious elite at his time. Not to make all of us feel guilty and condemned. That's not the point. But I want you to see how Jesus exposes their motives. Because on the outside, they looked very religious. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing, can't we? If you've been in Christianity any amount of time, for, for, for however long you've been in it, it's easy to know the language, right? To know the customs. Say, how you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? Oh, praise the Lord. God is good. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Right? We know, we know the right things to say to each other. But really, what's going on on the inside? What's going on in our hearts? I want you to listen to Jesus. And Jesus dealt with a group of people who were not honest and who did not walk in integrity. They really weren't being who they truly were. They look it on the outside, but on the inside, their structural integrity had many flaws, had many cracks, had many stress fractures. Listen to what he says in Matthew, recorded for us in Matthew chapter 23. Listen to what Jesus says. And, and he's speaking to those who should know better, who understood God's word 
who should have shown mercy and grace to people and who were not, who were more in love with their rules than they were people. Listen to what he says. He says, woe to you, teachers, teachers of the law and Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. He says, you are like, listen to how he explains what they were like. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So what Jesus is pointing out here is, listen, what's more important? Yeah, you're following all the rules, and you look religious on the outside, but in reality, you're not living that. You're not really who you say you are. There's hatred for your brother. There's judgment in your heart for other people who need mercy and grace. So why did Jesus compare the religious of his time with a whitewashed tomb? And what we see here is Jesus doesn't mince his words, does he? You're like, these are the words of Jesus? Jesus says this? Yeah. And the reason why Jesus' words are hard is because he's speaking truth to those who should know better. Those who know God's word. And so they understood the Mosaic law of cleanliness. If you came in contact with a dead body, you would be considered unclean for seven days and you could not be in contact with anyone. And you would be considered in spiritual quarantine for those seven days. So they understood that. So basically what he's saying is you're like not the, the whitewashed tomb that's beautiful on the outside. You're like the decaying bones that are on the inside. And if you were to come in contact with any of that, you would be considered spiritually unclean. You see, the religious uh, eluded themselves and they prided themselves in following the law and looking righteous. So here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying following the law is wrong. It wasn't wrong to follow the religious law. But what was happening here? They were using the religious law to show how righteous they were on the outside, yet they were corrupt on the inside. And this is, listen, church. Let me just speak to church. Let me speak to you, church, all right? Listen, this is where we have to be so careful with church culture. Because in church culture, we can implement some things that look good on the outside, but are rotten to the core on the inside. Everybody say, ouch. We've got to be careful there. We've got to be careful there. And, and I've been in church long enough to see some church culture things that may look good on the outside, but are rotten on the inside. And it comes off very pretentious, very judgmental, not loving, not showing mercy. And we've got to be careful there. We've got to always look at our hearts and not live in this duplicity of, of saying we're one thing, but not really being that true person that, that God calls us to be. And that's why Jesus calls this religious elite to the carpet on the way God really wants us to live and how he wants us to check our hearts and not walk and, and, and be able to walk in integrity. So what does Jesus do? Well, here's what he does. He compares them not to the beauty of the outside of the tomb, but to the death and decay on the inside of the tomb. And so basically what he's doing is he's speaking to their spiritual condition. They looked good. They looked good on the outside, but on the inside they weren't. So what is Jesus exposing? What is he exposing here? He's actually exposing their structural integrity. 
And so why does Jesus care so much about this? Why were Jesus' words so harsh here? Because Jesus knew if we lived that way, we would become a stumbling block to others who are trying to come and know God. And what they did was they used their religion as actually a stumbling block for others who needed to come to God. Instead of being a bridge that would bridge people to a relationship with God, to Jesus, they became a stumbling block and put up all these hurdles that for those, they just said, well, I can't do all that. There's no way. And they felt judged and they felt condemned. And that's why Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened and heavy laden. Come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Who was Jesus speaking to? He was speaking to those who were so beat up by religion and by those trying to place all these rules on their lives that they just couldn't do and they just felt like giving up. Here's the wonderful thing about having a relationship with Jesus. He says, come just as you are. Beat up, bruised, a sinner, and let me clean you up. Let me forgive you. See, it's been said that Jesus loves you too much for you to stay where you are. He doesn't receive and say, oh, that's okay, just keep sinning and keep living your life. No, he says, come to me. Let me forgive you. Let me do the cleaning. And now let me give you that freedom in your life to live the way that I want you to live in obedience to me and my word. That's where the freedom comes. But see, the religious elite didn't care about that. They cared more about their rules and making sure that everybody else kept their rules. And they put all these stumbling blocks in front of people where they couldn't even have a relationship or understand what a true relationship with God really was. And so Jesus came to expose those things, the true motive of their heart, the structural decay in their heart. So he was speaking to their spiritual condition. And so Jesus cares about what's going on in our hearts. He cares about our heart because he knows that everything flows from it. Everything flows from your heart. He cares what's going on inside of you more than how we try to make everybody think we are by the way we look or how we act on the outside. He wants everything to flow from the inside. If that's right, then our actions will be correct and our motives will be correct. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't care what color a plane is. I want to know if the engines are working. Right? I, I want to know. I mean, Kathleen and I flew not too long ago and they name all their planes after certain animals. So on the loudspeaker before we got on there, say, hey, those of you that are flying with Frontier Airlines today, you get Rudy the reindeer plane. Like, I don't care. You just ripped off Rudolph anyways. But Rudy, we got to fly Rudy the, the reindeer. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But how are the engines? Did anybody check the engines to make sure they're in working order? It's great that we're flying Rudy the reindeer, but I want to make sure that the engines are working correctly. I, I don't want the pilot to say, hey, we just got a new coat of paint on the plane, and uh, we're flying Rudy the reindeer, and doesn't it look great? Doesn't it look great? Now, I don't know when the last time the engines were checked on the aircraft, but boy, doesn't the plane look wonderful. Doesn't it look good? You get to fly Rudy the reindeer. Listen, I don't care about that. I care about the way the engines look. I care about the way what's going on in the inside. Has everything been been checked? Is the is the fuselage? Is there any cracks in the fuselage? Is this thing going to go down? That's the things that I care about. Those are the things that God cares about. You see, it comes down to an integrity issue. 
What are, what are we more concerned about? And so Jesus wants us to focus on our structural integrity. What's going on in the secret places of our heart? Do we give Jesus access to our hearts? When we lack integrity, we are fractured. Now, for those of you that are math geeks, the word integer actually comes from this word integrity. An integer is a whole number, a number that is not a fraction. So the word integer and the word integrity are exactly the same word. So what integrity means, it means that we are whole and that we are not fractured. See, here's the thing. God is not expecting to have all your stuff together. He's not expecting you to be perfect and never make mistakes or have struggles in your life. Amen? Here's what he is telling us to do. We take our struggles and we take our weaknesses and we give them to him. We're honest with him. We don't try to fake God out by saying, I don't really struggle with this, I'm okay, and we try to justify our lifestyle. No, when we're struggling, we go to God and we say, God, I am struggling and I need help. And I'm so, I'm so thankful that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is wanting us to come to him with all our brokenness, not to try to hide it, not to try to cover it, but to constantly come to him with our brokenness, that in our weakness he is strong, that we can find strength in his grace each and every day of our living. That's living with integrity. It's being honest about yourself. It's not saying that you're better than someone else. It's not putting yourself on a higher plane than everyone else. It's saying, you know what? I have struggles in my life and I need help. That's walking with integrity. That's giving Christ access to your heart so that you can walk before the Lord blameless. That doesn't mean that you don't have issues or you don't have struggles or you don't have temptations. But walking blameless before the Lord is not saying, I checked every box and I'm perfect. Are you kidding me? No way. We're always going to struggle. But it's being vulnerable before the Lord by saying, I struggle and I need help in this area. It's an area of weakness in my life. So integrity means that we are whole, that, that we are not fractured, that we are giving these things to the Lord. So what causes us to be compromised? What causes us to be compromised? Well, we have to ask ourselves, do, do I exhibit a duplicitous behavior? Do I say one thing and do another? Meaning, do, do we do one thing yet, yet do something completely different? You know, you know on, on, our, on my way to church and when I'm living at church, am, am I living that way at home, right? Does all of a sudden something change when I get to church? I acted a certain way at home, and all of a sudden I get to church, and all of a sudden we become real spiritual, right? That, that's being duplicitous. A great way to find out if you're living this not a true life of integrity or, or maybe a duplicitous lifestyle is to ask children. And what was really interesting, when I was a children's pastor for 10 years, I would get some of the most interesting prayer requests. Uh, if you want to hear the truth about what's going on in somebody's life, give prayer requests at a children's church service, and they're going to let you know. So uh, I would ask for prayer requests at the beginning of the service, and uh, it was some of the most interesting 
you know, I would get prayer requests like, um, Pastor, can you, um, you know, pray for my boo-boo and it's right on my elbow. And I said, okay. I go, boy, I don't see anything there. He goes, yeah, that was last year, but could you still pray for it? I'm like, well, it looks good. We probably don't need to pray for it. Or they would get this, uh, can you, can you pray for my daddy? He swears a lot. You know, I got that one. Uh, I got the mommy and daddy yell at each other a lot. Uh, prayer request. Uh, mommy and daddy fought the whole way to church. Prayer request. Now, now, and then I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I just greeted that couple at the door. They seem fine. How you doing, Pastor? Hallelujah, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. Well, I, did, I didn't know that. Now, now, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you don't want to be a prayer request at Children's Church, watch the way you live at home, okay? Just watch it. You got kids. Ouch, right? So, so here's, here's the thing we want to look at. Here's the thing we want. How do we stay whole and not become fractured? How do we stay whole and not become fractured? Here's some things I want you to think about, you know, as we just close and think about these things and just end in worship to the Lord. Think about these things. First of all, I want you to think about others. Think about the choices you make and how they will affect others. Think about your example. Think about the example to your children, the people that you work with, the choices you make, the people that have their eyes on you. They see the way you make decisions, right? They, they, they can see how you compromise and maybe some of the decisions that you make. Think about those things. Listen, you may be asked to do something against your integrity at your job, but you know what? It may cost you something. Doing the right thing will always cost you something. It will always cost you something. I remember uh, Toby Mack, he's a singer, and uh, the beginning of one of his songs, he has a song called Lose My Soul, and it's, it's interesting what he says. He speaks at the beginning of the song, and he says, you know, when I was a, a young boy, he goes, I remembered this about my father's, he was a real estate broker, and he says, on the back of my daddy's real estate business cards were the words of Jesus... What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And he said what it did was that it reminded his dad every single day, walk in integrity. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. I remember uh, when I was a new, a new, brand new Christian, I heard this example of integrity told about a man, he's actually my uh, brother-in-law's father, and he was a uh, manager of a grocery store in Columbia, South Carolina. And of course, when he told the story, when his sons tell the story, they get very emotional because they saw the example in their dad of how easy it would be to compromise in an area of your life when maybe not anybody else would say anything. But they saw this example in their dad of someone who lived his Christian walk, not only at church, but in the business world. And the story goes like this. Uh, he would buy produce, and obviously he was the buyer of the produce for, um, for his grocery store. And there's this one company that really wanted their business because they know it would be good for their business to buy their, their produce. Um, but Mr. Crosby, he knew that it wasn't the best quality. Now, no one else would probably know the difference if he bought the produce from them, but it wasn't the best quality. But, but they wanted his business so bad to the point where they found out 
that Mr. Crosby's wife loved VW Beetles. And they went so far as to say, we'll get your wife a car, her favorite car, if you pick up our business. And maybe no one ever would know. It was a side thing, side handshake. Maybe no one, just, it's just a gift. We're just giving you a gift. But obviously, it wasn't walking in integrity. And Mr. Crosby went, pow. And that was an example to his sons. And when I was a brand new Christian, that was such an example to me of how to walk in integrity. Maybe when no one else is looking. See, what are you like when no one else is looking? Is God speaking to your heart there? Do the right thing. Listen, doing the right thing means this. When you're struggling with some area of your life, it's giving that thing to the Lord. That's where it starts. See, the decision to do the right thing starts way before that temptation presents itself to you. You realize that, don't you? See, the structural integrity of a bridge starts in the drawing room with very smart people who want to make sure that that bridge is safe. Your integrity starts in your private time with the Lord, in your worship unto the Lord, in your vulnerability before the Lord to express your struggles to God and give those to Him. That's where it starts. So that when that temptation presents itself, you have strong integrity. You have a structure within your life that's already been established. That's why Mr. Crosby could say no, because it wasn't in that moment. It was in the moment in his private time when he was alone with the Lord and God spoke to his heart and he allowed his word to be permeated in his heart and his life to live that example not only for himself, but for his children to be an example to them. Listen, even when we make mistakes, and we all make mistakes, amen? We all make mistakes. Integrity says to own it, to confess it, to bring it before the Lord. Not to justify it, not to cover it, not to spray potpourri on it and make it smell good, just to call it for what it is. God, I missed it here. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. If I need to make this right with somebody else, if I lacked judgment with a coworker, I need to go to them and say, you know what? I lacked judgment there and it was wrong. That's how you own it. That's how we walk in integrity. That's how we can find God's forgiveness in our life. I want you to think about it this way. If you gain things without integrity, you might have things. You may have enriched your life, yet at what cost? Think about the cost. The smartest, wisest people I know are the ones that walk in humility before the Lord, who are willing to admit their mistakes. You know, the Word of God tells us to let others see your good life. Not good life like the Pharisees, or the teachers of the law, but to see your life by doing what is right, even if it costs you something. Jesus says, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, and then they can glorify your Father in heaven.
Let people see you making the right choices, doing the right thing, even if it costs you something. Let people see you walk walk in humility, owning up to your mistakes, apologizing, saying you're sorry when you need to when you need to own up for things that you've done wrong. Let people see your good life. Let them see the real you and it will glorify your Father in heaven and actually point people towards Him. Amen? Let's be a people of integrity. Let's be a people who allow Jesus access to our hearts and our lives to find His grace and His mercy so that we can be a people that can show people grace and mercy. Let's do the right thing. When in doubt, check it out. If you're in doubt about making a decision or, or is, is this going to glorify God or is this going to maybe blemish my witness, ask another, ask another believer. Ask them, ask them about your decisions that you're making and make sure that you're walking the way the Lord wants you to walk and get wisdom from God's word to do that. He cares about the way you live your life. Amen? There's a lot at stake, isn't there? There's a lot at stake. And we want to do our best to be a witness for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's by how we live our lives and how we give Jesus access to our hearts and how we walk humbly before our God. Amen? Let me pray for you today. Let me pray for you and your heart and decisions that you have to make that you would allow God to have access to your heart. Amen. Would you pray with me today? Father God, I thank you for your word. You know, sometimes, Lord, your word is hard, and it's hard for a reason because, Lord, you don't want our hearts to go astray because you care too much about us and the way we live our lives. Every single one of us in this place, Lord, have made wrong decisions or have done things that just kind of padded our lives or put us in the best light. We've all done that. I thank you that you're willing to forgive us. But Lord, help us to walk in humility before you. Help us, Lord, when we make a decision to think about how is it going to affect others? How is, how is this going to affect my relationship with you? How is this going to make you look, Lord? I mean, Lord, help us with all those things that we might glorify Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you don't expect us to be perfect. You don't expect us to, to, to not make any mistakes. We do. But I thank you, Jesus, that you still love us and you still receive us. And we can bring our weaknesses to you and our struggles to you. And you are such a tender Savior that you will always receive us and we can always find grace and mercy in our time of need. Thank you, Jesus, for not casting us away, for not pushing us aside when we make mistakes. Thank you that you always receive us when we come to you, when we need your help, when we need your forgiveness. We thank you for that. May you have full access to our hearts. Lord, may we do the right thing, even if it's going to cost us something. And it always will when we do the right thing. Help us to remember that it's for your glory, Jesus. It's for our souls, God. What good is it if we do gain the whole world, but we lose our soul? You care about our soul and the way we live our lives. You care about our character. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much and showing us the path to righteousness and eternal life. We give our hearts to you today. We give you the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And now God's people said amen. Can we thank God for his word today? It's good. It's always good. Amen.
Would you stand with me today? We're just going to sing and worship unto him and thank the Lord for his word. Just, just express your gratitude to God. Let God deal with your heart today. Maybe there's something the Holy Spirit speaking to you today about something in your heart and your life that you need to give to him. Let, let God speak to that to you today as we just thank the Lord for his goodness and his word today. So sing this unto the Lord. God bless you.